Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. I've been, uh, actually I've finished, but I've been reading um, the biography of Steve Jobs. And there was a really interesting um, thing when, after he had been gone from Apple for a while, um, when he first came back to Apple, and his first time walking back through the corporate offices there and looking at all the products, and he was going through there. And at that point, Apple was probably at its lowest. I mean, it was like next to, it was on life support. And, um, and he walked through, and he looked at all the product line, and there were at, time, at that time at least 30 different computers that they were, that they were selling. And, and he walked through, and he walked, and he looked at all these, over 30 different computers, and, and he stopped in the middle of everything, and he just said, you know, if I wanted to buy my nephew a computer, which one would I tell him to get? I, I wouldn't even know. So what, in classic Steve Jobs style, he got everybody into the room, and he screamed at them. <laughs> and he just said, this is crazy. This is crazy. And what he did is he got out a whiteboard, and he drew an X, you know, just four quadrants. And across the top, he put personal and professional. And down the side, he put... Um, Laptop, desktop. And he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build four computers. And to this day, that's all they do in terms of computers. A laptop, a desktop that are both professional and personal. What he did was he took an organization that had become so distracted and so busy and so cluttered with all kinds of different things. And he just brought it back to the basics. And he said, this is what we are about. This is what we're going to do. And that's kind of what we're doing right now through the series that we're talking about, talking about this is community. We're going back to what are the core values for Northgate as a church. What is it that defines who we are? How do we, how do we determine what we do? How will we learn to live in community? And that's what this whole series is all about. And, and we're talking about the five core values of Northgate. And we talked about the first one last week that we are to be and determined to be a community of grace and what that looks like. That in a community of grace, everyone is welcome just the way that they are. And that we extend grace in the same way that grace has been extended to us, we extend it to one another. And then in the third thing, that in a, in, a, in a community, a grace-filled community, that people are allowed to grow and lives are transformed from the inside out. And I kind of want to take that one tonight and talk about that whole idea. How do we grow in our faith? How does this whole thing happen in our lives? And, and we talk about the core value is that we are all people in process. And the process that we are in is this process of spiritual formation. That we are all in the process of growing in our understanding of God and in our faith and our trust in Him. And how do we incorporate that as, together as a church? And we're going to take a look at, um, it's actually a prayer of Paul's, that he, his prayer that he wrote for the Colossian church. If you want to turn there, it's in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. So this is my prayer for you. Since the day that I heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father 
who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then skip down to verse 28. He finishes it this way. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Say, this is my prayer for you as a church, that you would continually be growing and developing and learning and understanding. He's talking about people in process. So how do we embody that together as a church? What does that look like? And, and what are some basic understandings of that? And what are the things that we're striving for together as we are in this process, that we are all people in this process of spiritual formation? I want to share with you just a couple of them. There's a lot more to it, but just a couple of just key things that I think are fundamental to this whole idea of understanding what it means to be people in process. And I think it starts with this. It's realizing and acknowledging that none of us have it all together. (laughs) No one in this room has it all together. We are all a work in progress. And it is an ongoing work. Notice in his prayer, he says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Continually. It's an ongoing thing. And then look at the the verb tenses. They're, They're all participles. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power. It's just, it, it, it indicates this continuous ongoing process that no one's arrived, no one has it all together, and we need to acknowledge that together as a church. None of us, none of us have it all together. None of us has this whole thing figured out. We are all in the process of learning and growing together. Now, here's the problem. We all have this human tendency to want to appear better than we really are. We want to appear to have it a little more together than we really do. We want to appear to be a little more spiritual than we really are. A little more important. Let me just show of hands. Good, a night for confession, okay? Just confession is good for the soul. Anyone here, have you ever told a story and told it in such a way that you came out looking a little bit better than you really were in that situation? Anybody? All right, okay. For the rest of you, we're going to talk about honesty now. It's it's human nature. We want to appear just a little bit better than we really are. And the problem with that is that that leads to this idea of pretense and hypocrisy. It's like the captain who started, freshly, um, freshly commissioned captain, started on a new base and he wanted to make a good impression and there was a knock at the door and just before the, the private entered, he picked up the phone and put it up to his ear and the private came through the door and as the private was coming through the door, he said, yes, general, you can count on me, sir. And he put down the phone and turned to the private, now what would you like? He says, well, I came to hook up the phones. <laughs> we want to look better than we really are. So if we're going to acknowledge that none of us has it all together, then what we want to strive for is authenticity. Be real. Be real. Because we, we all admit we, none of us have it all together. 
So let's just be authentic in this process that we are all in. I love that. It's one of my favorite verses of Paul's. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Remember Popeye? That was one of his sayings. I am what I am, you know? By the grace of God, I am what I am. But he goes on. And his grace to me was not without effect. Grace is enough. Not just to save your life, but to change your life. Paul said, by his grace, I am what I am. But his grace is not without effect. His grace is powerful. His grace is renewing. His grace is restoring. And we will never discover that if we're pretending to be better than we are. What what was the very first step of faith you had to take? You had to admit that you were a sinner. You had to admit that you had failed. Because you can't find the forgiveness and grace of God unless you're willing to admit that you need it. That's the only requirement. The same thing is true for your growth in your spiritual formation. Being willing to admit, I am what I am. But his grace is enough. Pretense is one thing that will just kill your spiritual growth. It leads to hypocrisy. The other thing that it does is that to those around you, it gives us impression like they could never measure up. See, so, so then spiritual growth and development becomes something that's really unattainable. And we, we never think that that could possibly be for us because I could never be as good as that person. For authentic... It allows people to see the process. That God is at work in our lives and we admit our failures. And when we mess up and we mess up to those around us, be willing to admit it. And say, you know, I'm I'm a long way from perfect. And in this case, I just totally messed up. But it opens the door to real change. Some of you grew up in Sunday school and you, you learned all those Bible lessons, those Old Testament Bible lessons. Might remember when Moses went up to the top of the mountain to receive the law. And, and when he got the law from God and he spent this time on the mountain, when he came down from the mountain, it said his face was so radiant. It was just beaming, just so radiant that actually the, the people could not look at his face. He actually had to put a veil over his face because it was just so radiant having been in the presence of God. But if you read in in 2 Corinthians, Paul kind of tells the backside of that story that long after that glory began to fade away, he kept the veil on because he was afraid that if the people thought that the glory was fading, they wouldn't follow him anymore. So he kept this veil over his face, this pretense that he still has that radiance of being with God. And Paul goes on, he says, in, in, in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, he says, but not us. He says, our faces then are not covered. We all show the Lord's glory and are being changed to be like him. When we're willing to be authentic, when we're willing to let down our guard, when we're willing to take off the masks, people can see the real work of God happening in our lives. 
So I think one of the most important things about understanding what it means to be people in process is to understand none of us has it all together, and that includes me. <laughs> Second one. People, in pro- people who are in process understand no one's faith journey looks exactly the same. No one's looks exactly the same. Because we all come from different backgrounds. We have different experiences. We've been on different journeys. We're at different places in that faith journey. It never looks exactly the same. And really what other people see in you and think about you is not what matters. What really matters is what God sees. Paul put it this way. He said, giving thanks, joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people. He has qualified you. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What counts is what God thinks about you. And because of his grace, he has qualified you as his son, as his daughter, as a member of his kingdom. And his opinion is the only one that matters. See, that's why, that's why a community of grace is so important. I want you to just let that sink down deep into you. That God has qualified you. God has accepted you. God has welcomed you in his mercy and in his grace. He has qualified you. Because when we let that sink down deep inside, it takes all the pressure off of having to perform. Because God already sees us as qualified. See, there's this other other tendency that we have. One is that we, we tend to want to appear better than we really are. The other is that we have this tendency to compare ourselves with other people. And what their walks look like. John Ortberg writes about this in his book, The Me I Want to Be. He says, you hear about someone who gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning to pray. And you feel guilty because you don't pray enough. So you resolve to do that too. Even though you are not a morning person. At 4 o'clock, you are dazed and confused, groggy and grumpy. And no one wants to be around you at that time of the morning. Even Jesus doesn't want to be around you at that time of the morning. But you think, well, this is exhausting and miserable. I certainly don't like doing it, so it must be God's will for my life. It must be spiritual. You keep it up for several days or weeks or months, but not forever. Eventually, you stop, and then you feel guilty. And after enough guilt, you start doing something else. When you compare your walk with somebody else's, you will always find people who are further along than you and doing better than you. And, and that will lead to discouragement. And you will always find people who are stumbling along and not doing a very good job of it, and that will lead to pride. The only person's opinion that counts really is God's, and he has qualified you. And by the way, the true measure of your spiritual maturity is not how many hours you spend in prayer or how good your attendance is at church or how... How, how literate you are when knowing all about the Bible. Those things are all important, but those are not the measurement. Those are the means to the end. The end is this. Paul writes about it a little bit later in his letter to the Colossians. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. 
and forgive one another. See, the measure of growth in my spiritual formation is, am I becoming more loving? Am I becoming more patient? Am I becoming kinder? Am I finding it easier to forgive? Am I becoming more willing to help carry somebody else's burden? See, if you want to measure how you're doing, those are the questions to ask yourself. Now, spiritual disciplines, those are very, very important. Spending time in God's Word will help you better understand Him and know Him better, and that will lead to a better understanding of His love and His mercy and His grace and His forgiveness in your life so that you can become more forgiving and more loving and more kind and more patient. And spending time in prayer, just spending time building your relationship and conversation with God, that will deepen your faith and your trust in Him, and that will lead to those other things. But they are the means to the end. They are there to help you Move forward. What we want to strive for here at Northgate is we want to strive for community. Because in community, we can truly grow. Not by comparing ourselves with each other, but by learning how to help and encourage one another. That's how it happens. Look at that list. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. All of those things. How many of those things can you do in isolation? None of them. They all require being in relationship with other people. And that's why community becomes so important. Because in community, we build the kinds of relationships that we can help each other. We build the kinds of open and honest relationships where we can be transparent and kind of share our struggles with one another. In community, we can teach, we can encourage, we can help, we can urge forward. We can do all of those things in community. And all of those disciplines become important as a part of community. Here's a couple of really, really basic ones. If you were just getting started or maybe feel like you've kind of been on a detour for a while and you're just kind of coming back, here's a couple of just really great things that you can do, some things that we can do together as a community, opportunities for you. One of them is our next class. We have a class. In fact, it's going to be next month. It's called Next. And it's for anybody who is just new to the faith, just examining or exploring faith, or, or maybe returning to the faith. And you want to know where's a good place to start. That's an excellent place to start. We also have a class we offer on a regular basis, also coming up at the end of next month. Um, it's called the Journey Class. And we just come, how to, how, to, how to put some of those disciplines into your life. How to make those kinds of things work for you. We have all kinds of Northgate U classes that we offer. Our community groups are an excellent way to build those kinds of relationships and learn and grow. Here's another one. If you have never been baptized, baptism is an important first step in growing in your faith. And if you've never been baptized and you think, like, I've got to get to a certain level or I've got to be at a certain level of maturity or I've got to get so far before I can really say I'm ready for that, you don't understand what baptism is. It's not an end point. It's a beginning point. And we got a baptism coming up. These are all these things we're starting at the beginning of the year, giving you new, fresh opportunities. I would encourage you. Maybe, maybe one of those works for you. Maybe two of those. Chances are you don't need to do all of those. But pick one of them and find out how you can grow in community. Because that's what we're all about. The whole idea Paul captures in his letter to Timothy he says, the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach it 
to others. In other words, every one of us needs someone who's a little further along in the faith that we can go to, that we can rely on, that can teach us and can mentor us and help us grow. But we also need to be connected to someone who is new. And we're helping them grow. See, that's what Paul said to Timothy. He says, I've given you these things. I've entrusted these things to you. Now, the things that I've entrusted to you, you pass on to others that they can pass on to others. And through that, we grow together in community. It's what it means to be people in process. And here's the last one. Being people in process means no one's spiritual growth is without setbacks. What I mean by that is spiritual formation does not happen in a straight line. At least, not in anyone that I've noticed. (laughs) Generally, it is filled with twists and turns, ups and downs, successes and failures, because it's about faith, not formulas. God is not some giant cloud computer that you got to get the correct passcode to get all the right answers. It's about faith and trust. It's about taking risks and, and maybe even sometimes failing. More often than not, I see people's spiritual formation is three steps forward, two steps back. Or maybe three steps forward, one step back. Or maybe two steps forward, three steps back. That's kind of how it happens. Because it's not a formula. And it's not simple, quick, easy answers. In fact, if you read through the scriptures, you read through the Bible, you will find it is filled with stories of people who struggled, who stumbled, who even sometimes failed, who got back up and kept going. And, and, And you and I are exactly like them. Because we will all stumble and we will struggle and we will sometimes fail. Because life is filled with failure. And we will meet with disappointment and we will suffer setbacks. Because it's not a straight line. But in the process, you grow. And sometimes those times when you feel most separated from God and you feel most defeated in your faith and you feel most overwhelmed by the circumstances, when you come out the other side of that, very often, very often, in fact, more often than not, looking back, you realize that that was one of the growingest times in your faith. Because that's life. In this world. That's the process of growth and development. Anybody here familiar with the J curve? J curve, it's used in all kinds of different disciplines. But the basic idea is if you were to graph out progress, very often when someone starts something new, things usually go worse before they get better, and kind of in the shape of a J. That if you, if you were to graph it out, whenever you start something new, you take a new step, generally you do worse at it before you get better. Someone chooses to change their golf swing and because their golf swing's got a hitch in it. And so they, they discipline themselves. Generally, their, their golf game gets worse before it gets better. And it happens in all different walks of life. Anytime you take new steps of faith, anytime you try something new, generally you do worse at it before you get better. But that's the process of life. What we aim for is consistency, not perfection, 
but consistency. Paul wrote about it this way. Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Endurance and patience is what we need to grow in our faith. Because we do take those three steps forward and two steps back. And we stumble and we fall. And we get back up. And sometimes we fail. But we keep getting back up and moving forward. When we were dating, I taught my wife Betty how to ski. Not something I would recommend (laughs) for dating couples. But the hardest thing that she had was any time, the, the whole thing about snow skiing is you learn how to turn. It's, it's all about turning and you wake your, wake your, make your way down the hill. But the trouble with that is that every time, in every turn that you take, at some point in the process of that turn, you are facing straight downhill and that's when panic sets in. And, and all of a sudden, you, you got everything under control and all of a sudden, now you're facing straight downhill and every time she would go to make that turn, she would panic and sit down. And it was very frustrating to be a boyfriend teaching your girlfriend how to ski. And in all honesty, at one point, I just left her to go practice on her own for a while. (laughs) And then she broke her foot, and I never heard the end of that one. Yeah, it's a whole other story. But here's the deal. At some point in any walk of faith, you're going to get to that point in which you're facing dead downhill, and you're going to panic, and you're going to think, I can't do this. I can't make it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to complete the turn. And you're going to want to sit down. You're going to want to stop. You're going to want to give up. But if you just keep gliding through the turn, it becomes easier and easier and easier as you go. See, the walk of faith, spiritual formation, is a whole process by which we are constantly learning and growing and stumbling and falling as well. We run with endurance. And the good news is that no matter what you've done or where you've been or how you may have struggled or stumbled or even how often you may have failed, there is always a next step to take toward God. There's always another step for you to take towards Him. Writer of the Hebrews put it this way. So let's strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Would you bow your head with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. 